It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Strata Dundalk and Cavan. Our service departments are open with all HSC and government guidelines in place to keep you and our staff safe. Sales are click and deliver only through our website, blackstonemotors.ie. Stay safe from Blackstone Motors. You're very welcome to Late Lunch on World Book Day. You know we do a lot on books on this show. And uh, of course, recently, Ireland Reads Day, we dedicated a whole show to books. We are going to be touching in and out about books books on this very special day, especially from the angle of children and children reading. That's the theme of the day today, folks. So if you're listening today, do encourage your children to read always from an early, early age. It is so important and they absolutely love it. But there's more besides, as I said, on the show. What about this? Sex tuplets? Yes, six lambs arrived to Timmy Tehan's farm in County Mead. We're going to be catching up with the young man a little bit later on. A new twist and a different twist on ice cream from a local maker. His name is Jim Murray. He's going to have a chat with us too on the show. We have Tom Jones. The story rattles on. Oh, a big one, big ballad from Tom today for you. We're going to be talking about, in line with the day that's in it, about people who are visually impaired. How did they get on with reading? Very important, isn't it, as well? Fiona Brennan's joining us. The self-love habit and uh, more besides. And if you want to get in touch on the show, do give us a shout. 86 1800 658 or 1850-715-958 if you want to WhatsApp or text me on the first number or call in on the second. And I have a giveaway today. I have a wonderful book to give away on World Book Day. I'll tell you more about that in a little while. And I just want to ask you a question starting off today. What was your favourite book when you were a child? Think back to your childhood. Now, we did favourite books of all time, but when you were a child, was there a book or a series of books that you love to read as a child. Maybe you still have them tucked away somewhere. Let me know, just for a bit of fun today on the show, on the day that's in it. Again, to the numbers 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me your favourite childhood book. I'm going to read a book for you today on the show. Yes, have it sitting here beside me. It's not a long one, but I am going to read a book for you on the show today. And it is a children's book as well, a very popular one. Anyway, we begin today... And would you, would you believe it? Well, I didn't believe it when I looked back. I first met my first guest today, eight years ago in 2013. And Joe Armstrong, well, look, Joe entered the priesthood at 18 in 1980. Ten years later, he quit the Marist Order and went on to marry, have children, become a humanist celebrant, an author, a whole lots more besides. And he's now written a memoir called In My Gut, I Don't Believe. And I've read this book. And on World Book Day, well, Welcome to the show, Joe. 
Thank you, Jerry. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Not at all. Great to have you with us again on Late Lunch. Now, the book basically is about your transitioning from believer to unbeliever, as you say. And I want to throw this quote at you first, and maybe you'd explain this, because there's a dichotomy in it, really. You say, leaving the priestly path was the hardest and best thing I've ever done. What do you mean by that? Well, it was the hardest decision of my life. I mean, it took me nine years to choose to go. And, you know, my identity, my just so much of who I was, my understanding of the meaning of life, my purpose in life, my relationships, my, you know, community within the Marists. To leave all of that was was kind of massive. It wasn't just like like leaving a job. It was it was just so much part of who I was. Mm. And yeah, it was it was certainly the hardest. It was the best because, you know, had I not made I have two wonderful children. They're now in their mid twenties. They wouldn't exist if I hadn't left. Um I wouldn't have enjoyed nearly twenty eight years of very happy married life. So I am thrilled to bits that I finally made that private, personal, profound difficult decision to leave. And you know, this book, may I say, is about that agonising for those number of years that you uh, mentioned. And my word, did you go through the mill? That's all I can say before finally arriving at this decision. But let me ask you this. You know, all clubs like the Catholic Church and other churches as well, they have rules and regulations. And you know, you either abide by them, uh, agree with them or leave as you did. But what about this has, and I'm sure it's been said to you, why did you not stay in there and perhaps affect change that, and you, you would see that there should be many changes? Yeah, well, I, th- you know, even when I joined at the tender and naive age of 18, well, I was naive, not every 18 year old is, <laughs> but I was not particularly today. naive at, <laughs> at that age. And, you know, I thought that it might be that in my lifetime as a priest, they would change the priestly celibacy rule. But, well, clearly they they haven't. And kind of one of the things that really jarred with me was, like, it is a fact, a historical fact, which the church admits that compulsory celibacy for priests is a man-made rule. And, And in fact, there is a longer tradition within the Roman Catholic Church of a married priesthood than of a celibate priesthood. You know, St. Peter was married. Mm. So it's a man-made rule. And yet it's the belief within the church that a priestly vocation comes from God. And it it was one of the biggest challenges to my faith that the church was elevating what they admit to be a man-made rule of compulsory celibacy for priests above what they claimed to be a God-given gift of the priesthood. So that was a huge issue for me. Are you saying to me, in other words, and could you maybe contemplate this, um, had celibacy not been a given uh, as a, for a priest or, you know, uh, religious, and, and that marriage might have been an option, you know, uh, like there are uh, options in other strands of uh, Christianity, do you think today I'd be talking to you as Father Joe Armstrong? 
<laughs> well, I am a father and I'm very happy to be a dad. <laughs> but of the cloth, of the charge. Come on, Joe. Come on. You're not sidestepping this one on me. Come on. Uh, what I, well, I, well, obviously, it's a hypothetical question, so I don't know. But clearly, celibacy, as you will have spotted right from day one, right through the whole nine years, was a huge issue for me. Mm. And, you know, at the end of the day, I realized I just couldn't live a celibate life. But I also I didn't see the point of it. I just didn't see the point of it. And I certainly didn't see the point of it because the Maris wanted to send me teaching. And like I, I went to a Christian Brothers school and I would never have dreamt of joining the Christian Brothers because I didn't see the point of taking on the, you know, sacrifice of celibacy in order to teach mm. when there are loads and loads and loads and loads of lay people who are teachers, qualified, brilliant teachers why would you choose celibacy and obedience and poverty in order to teach? It just didn't make any sense to me whatsoever. And yet that was the one ministry that it seemed to me that the Maris wanted me to do. You know, you had pedigree in your family. Uh, your mom was very religious. You, you, that comes across in the book and very proud of you when, when you did go down this road. You had an uncle, a priest as well, who had an influence on you. And I know during those eight, nine years, uh, in 85, I thought you were gone reading the book. I'm leaving. Yeah, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. But you didn't. You stayed on a few more years. Was that ever a consideration for you, Joe? You know what I mean? Um, now, you know, the, the family background, the faith, having somebody walk before you in, in on this path. Did that Was that in your thinking? Well, it's a huge part. I mean, I was born in 1962. So anybody born in the 1950s and 60s and indeed earlier, you know, it was it was a different world. You know, we lived in a world where certainly in my case, Everybody I knew was a Catholic. Everybody I knew went to Mass. I had two cousins, first cousins who were priests. I had an uncle who was a priest. I, I had a you know friend of my mother's who was a priest. Like the place was full of priests and faith and you just accepted it. You know, I actually have a real problem now with children being brought up believing stuff, which I now personally don't believe is true. And for me, you know, it involved so much work, incredible personal work to try to unlearn much of of the things which I, I had been taught to be as true as gravity. And then you kind of you realize, actually, those religious truths aren't as true as gravity. You can prove or disprove gravity. And like with science, the scientists will actually admit when they got something wrong and they'll set aside their their hypothesis and so forth. But, you know, with religious dogmas, and, and they also change, of course, because another, <laughs> another challenge to me that in my priestly training was like that the church now believes things which it used to believe and it now condemns things that it used to believe. So that was both an eye-opener, but it also gave me a sense of the, the kind of shifting sands of belief and how solid is this? And how is it that, you know, if I'd been brought up, let's say, in a Muslim family, I might have gone off to be, a, you know, an imam mm. or a, a Jewish family, I probably would have gone off to be a rabbi or an Anglican and become an... Do you know, and how is it that there's a sort of supposed openness of theological colleges and so on, and yet they all churn out people in their camp at the end of the mm. 
process and all of those, uh, that and of course studying theology and you know when you, you read Mark's gospel the earliest of the four gospels that we have and you realise that you know there's no infancy narrative nothing in there about Jesus's birth or nativity there, there isn't even there's no there's no account in the earliest version of Mark's gospel of the risen Jesus you know, the, those bits were added later. And then you think, well, that Mark's gospel, earliest gospel, and it was written like whatever, 30 years or something after Jesus. And you kind of think, and if somebody wrote something today and told me it was gospel true, but it was about something that happened 30 years ago before people were literate or there were records and things, you kind of, it becomes a little bit less credible. Mm, and, and that's just of the time it was. But what, really what you're saying is, uh, we know the word atypical and a religious world, but unfortunately, as you say, wherever you're born into, the family you're born into, the tribe, the country, the faith, it's, uh, in, you know, it just happens and it's by chance wherever we end up. And I don't think we're ever going to change that. But I hear what you're saying, that as uh, children grow, perhaps they should, uh, you know, work this out for themselves and then decide what that would be in an ideal world. But by God, I can never see that happening the way the lines are drawn even today. But look, come back to you. You eventually did say good by as you said you went teaching then yourself in London you married Ruth you had two children and your life took a different direction were you married in the church was I married in the church yes I was because my wife wanted that it wouldn't have been an issue for me I would have been perfectly happy to go to registry office but my wife wanted that so that was fine by me and does she does she maintain her faith do you mind me asking you you know or, or is she of the same thinking as you now um, honestly, I think that's a question you'd have to ask her. Okay. Because, like, one of yeah. the things is we all think for ourselves. Yes. And I'm not responsible for anybody else's choice. I understand. We'll have to arrange another another interview with the other half of the Armstrong family. <laughs> the better her. half. <laughs> well, well said. You're all, you're on the right path there for sure. Um, look, the book is really the tugging and the toing and froing that went on all through these years. Now, you went eventually. You left and you chose a different path. And... Would you say now you're completely at the other extreme? And, you know, there are a lot of people listening to us today, Joe, as you know, that have deep faith, despite yeah. all that has happened and all that yeah. has gone uh, on in uh, the years that's well written about and well documented and still emerges today. And th- th- that faith sustains them. Do you understand that? Mm. Of course, I understand it. I mean, that's why I wrote the book, because I wanted like my primary purpose in writing the book is that I wanted to understand myself and I used to be a religious person. Like, it's not, you've read it, you'll know it's not an anti-church book. And, and it speaks about the Maris with great respect and affection. So it was genuine, like Socrates said, you know, the unexamined life is not worth living. So this book, which took me 25 years to write. <laughs> yeah, uh, 25 years to write. Like, it is, it, it is an honest attempt for me in the first case to understand myself and how how I wanted to show myself and then the reader how I shifted from belief to unbelief. Mm. And, you know, I'd done a documentary like, I don't know, eight years ago or whenever it was, and people would come up to me and say, yeah, but how do you do that? And I thought, well, I can't answer that in a minute. Like, I have to go in and I'll write a book. And of course, I was lucky that I had all of these journals, which I always kept. And they showed me the the ongoing inner conflict and the decision making and the, the things that happened, some of which I'd forgotten and so on. So for me, like this book is 
like my heart and my soul and my truth is in it. Mm. It's not an anti anti faith or an oh, anti no, no. church book. Yes, that's a fact, and I can vouch for that having read it. It definitely isn't. You know what I mean? But it's amazing to do. You take us on that journey, which has so many. There's highs, there's lows, there's everything in between. You know, just before we finish, because we, <laughs> I want to say uh, say this. Tell them about the gay born story competition. <laughs> Okay. Well, <laughs> one year for my pastoral work, I went to France. And while I was there, I um, met this lovely French woman. And we, we had a, a very innocent and, you know, very naive. And, but anyway, we, I, I, we had, we kissed and we, you know, we kissed a lot. And, and that was a totally new experience for me. I can assure you, five years into a seminary and having entered as naive and inexperienced as I was. And so it, it kind of blew my mind. And it obviously I wanted more. And I thought, you know, how can I live with celebrity? Anyway, the Gay Byrne show. So when I got back from France and I heard Gay Byrne on RT and he was doing this uh, romantic fiction writing competition. And it was to be the first meeting between him and her. And it was just 500 words, which is very short. And it was a competition. So I said, well, you know, I'll have a go. But I didn't tell him that it was true. So I wrote about, you know, meeting this gorgeous woman and the kiss and and me being a seminarian. But I I didn't give my real name. And he didn't know it was actually coming from a seminary. And I wrote it from the perspective of somebody actually my current age in my 50s. Looking back and anyway, Gabo put a hot tip on it to win. It didn't win. But when I when I heard my words written, you know, out by a professional actor it was Ray Reardon, or Dan Reardon of yes. the RT rep. When I heard him reading my words out on on radio, I just it blew my mind and I got such a buzz out of it. <laughs> that I, I, you know, that that was my discovery of my vocation. Yes, and you, know? you you were able to relay it, although it be under a pseudonym, you know, not as you as you were, but it got national uh, airtime. It really did, and it, it caught did. the imagination. It really did at the time, and it was something else. They are Gable could influence many things, but he couldn't pick. <laughs> he couldn't say who won. So it was fair and square. Well done to the Gayborn Hour on RTE. Look, it's a fascinating read. It takes you on a journey and you've been through the hoops. All I'll say to you is there's another book and there has to be following on post, uh, you know, this time and what happened since. And I'm sure that will come in due course. And I know you're working on the audio version of this at the moment. I wish you well with it. Well, I listen, am. Uh, I just want to mention the name to listeners again. In my gut, I don't believe it's by Joe Armstrong. Where is it available, Joe? Well, that, the handiest way to get it with lockdown and all the rest is on Amazon. And you can get it. You can buy it as a You can Actually, you can get it free if depending on the the whatever yeah. you know but you can get a, ki- a free kindle or you can buy the kindle which is really cheap or you can buy the paperback yes and hopefully by april or may it'll also be available great he's working as on that. an audio book and it won't take 25 years like the book actually did i promise <laughs> oh, you <laughs> you're a star you really Jerry, are it's and been a pleasure yeah, thank you it's very great much to talk to you today it really is and i wish you well for the future thanks a million joe
Thank you, Jerry. Take care. That's Joe Armstrong there. In my gut, I don't believe is the name of the book. I have a copy of it and I'm doing a few things with book today. You know the drill. Late lunch, LMFM radio, back in a moment. Teresa's favourite book from childhood was certainly, she says, Enid Blyton, the famous five. Oh, great series of books there. Joan was on to say, Goldilocks and the Three Bears was mine, Jerry, and I still have the original copy. Oh, good on you, Joan. Terry's been on from Navin. Not a book, Jerry, but the Beano comic. I collected them religiously. Michael says, Our Boys. Now, I think Our Boys came out through the school. We used to have to buy it in the Christian Brothers. I'm nearly sure that was the way he read it. What is your favourite book? Memories from childhood. Had you a favourite book as a child or a magazine or anything if you want to? Once you read, let me know. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. It is World Book Day. And the the whole uh, point of the day is encouraging children to read. Well, let's hear from our first reader today. Her name is Miss Ava Flynn. She's five years old and she attends junior infants at St. Oliver's Primary School in Drogheda. And she's in her first year at school and she's just gone back to school this week and she's delighted. She's just learning to read. And here is Miss Ava reading The Adventures of Pip. The Adventures of Pip. This is Pip. Pip is a cat. Pip is at home. Pip sits on a pin. Oh no. Pip is itchy. He is itchy as he has nits. Oh no. He turns on the tap. He gets in the tub with a duck. Pip gets into his bed. He has a nap. Pip gets up. Pip is up. He gets into the pit. Pip spot sits in the pit. Pip spots an ant. An ant is in the pit too. The ant nips Pip. Oh no! Pip puts the ant in a tin. Pip Pats they and they are pals now. <laughs> well done, little lady. You do know that Ava Flynn is my granddaughter and she's learning to read. And isn't she fantastic? Well done, Ava. That is just great. So proud of you. Anyway, that's what it's about today. It's encouraging children to read. And I know children love to be read stories. They really, really do. Just to say a big thank you to Academy Books again because they've uh, joined us on World Book Day to give us a copy of Jane Harper's The Survivors. It's walking out of the shop, uh, we're told, at the moment. And we have a copy to give away. And I want to thank Irene Gahan especially for giving us that book. And I want to give it to you. Here's the question to win the book. And there'll be more books coming through the afternoon, I promise you, which I'll add on to the competition. So there'll be a number of books and I'll give one to uh, whoever wins it, uh, puts their names in for the competition. So here's the question. According to the Guinness Book of World Records, folks, what is the best-selling book of all time? Now, it's not a hard question if you think about it. According to the Guinness Book of World Records, what is the best-selling book of all time? Answers with your name and details, please, for the survivors and more besides uh, to 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. 
Now, I spoke with her in 2019 when our first book, The Positive Habit, was published and became a bestseller. Absolutely no surprise. She's back today as the follow-up, The Self-Love Habit, debuts, listen to this, straight in at number four in the book charts and certainly on its way to being top of the pile. She's a clinical hypnotherapist, mental health expert, blogger, TEDx speaker, champion of positivity. Boy, do we need you, Fiona Brennan. (laughs) Oh, you're hilarious. (laughs) Fantastic. I love it. Uh, You know what? What's amazing, Jerry, is it's actually two years ago to the day that we first met for my first book. Is it? Uh, It it is. It was the 4th of March, 2019. And I remember it because I'd had my book launch the day before. So I was absolutely exhausted, right, from the, the excitement of it all. And it was it was back in the days when we could go out and I had a big crowd and great <laughs> yeah. crack and everything. And I came in to you uh, the next day and my my mammy, I'm like the age of me, my mammy had to drive me <laughs> from Dublin to be with you. So I remember it well and uh, it was lovely to meet you then and it's lovely to be with you now. Ah, it's great to have you back with us. Let me put this to you based on the new book, which I absolutely thoroughly enjoyed. And it's just what people need at this time. You know when you hear people saying, you know what I'm talking about, Fiona, oh, that one or him, they love themselves. It's a, a disparaging comment, you know, in an Irish context. You know what I'm getting at? Oh, I do, of course. Yeah, 100%. Which is why this book really needs to be uh, written and read. So, yeah, it's, it's absolutely, I think it's a generational thing as well, you know, and certainly my generation uh, and sort of, you know, upwards, let's say, were taught that, um, you know, to love yourself is, is a negative thing, you know, that, mm. you know, it's seen as selfish. And I think that is changing, uh, but it's not changing enough in terms of the misconceptions, Jerry, of what is self-love, you know, what what is it really? It isn't self-pity. It isn't, um, you know, uh, being over-obsessed with the self. In fact, the message of the book really is that when we love ourselves in a true, authentic way, it is the most selfless love of all because we're in a position now to really give to other people, to give, you know, true um, compassion, kindness and non-judgment. Because if we're at war with ourselves, and, you know, I have to say it's very unfortunate, but in my work, I see a lot of people who suffer from internal conflicts in terms of, you know, part of them feels uh, one way, another part feels a different way. And they're very, very hard on themselves. And when we're hard on ourselves, we tend to be hard on other people too. Mm. So, so ultimately, it's it's about getting that relationship strong so you can help other people. Yes, the link, and that's one thing that comes out loud and clear. If you don't love yourself, it's impossible really to love others and, and other things in life. But come back to that point of what is self-love. Is it, you know, how I look, how I appear, how I talk? You know, that's all sort of the external stuff. But within, you know, the characteristics that I am, even though there are some of them that I might like to work on a little bit myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Well, think about it in terms of your external relationships, Sherry, and how you can find it easier to love other people, right? Because we're kind of, we're taught how to do that. We're taught how to to, you know, accept other people yeah. more for who they are. And self-love is really turning that 360 degrees back to yourself. So it's not about, you know, getting the nails done. And, you know, that's a nice thing to do when, when, when we can. Um, but ultimately, it's not that sense of maybe the more superficial aspects of self-love. It's, it's really 
a deeper sense of understanding ourselves and accepting the parts of ourselves that we find difficult, for example, anxiety and stress. And when we can do that with an open heart, we start to realise that there's nothing that we need to fear within ourselves, you know, and that's where people can feel a sense of divide. And I talk about the shadow self and the the sort of darker aspects of our our characters. And we all have them. Mm. And the point is that they're not, they're not uh, negative in the in the sense that they're not bad. They are simply maybe unheard voices that need love and need attention. And we're very good at doing that. Uh, you know, particularly for our children, we're, we're sort of much more able to, you know, if, if a child has a tantrum and, you know, we're there to pick up the pieces, we don't judge them for it. Uh, most of the time, except when we're very tired, we might get frustrated, which is normal too. Yeah. Uh, but what I mean is that we're able to kind of, you know, have that skill for other people because we're taught to do it. But we're never really taught how to love ourselves. Yeah. Um, and it, again, live, brings that negative connotation of being full of yourself or boasting. It's not about that. It's about believing in yourself, you know, that you're just as worthy as anybody else, mm. not more and not less. It's, it's equality. You talk about love and fear being two essential bedfellows in the book and anxiety ties in with the word fear. Just to concentrate on that for a moment. Look, look round you. Fiona, I don't have to tell you. We, we're all well aware. Health, job, home, finances, children, the list goes on and anxiety is stoked by so many things, even more so in, in, in the last year. What about dealing with that whole aspect? Yeah, this last year, Jerry has seen, you know, huge rises in anxiety for, for many people. And the fear is, is genuine and it's real. Um, and it's, it is concerning because, you know, it's like I've never worked so hard, to be honest with you, in the last year in terms of helping people to, you know, my, my job. I love my job, but it has certainly become more intense because I'm dealing with so many different things um, in terms of the, the knock-on effects um of lockdown life, etc. And really, it's about, you know, having the courage, especially at this time where we're being challenged. It's like what we want is to come out of this stronger. We don't want to come out of it weaker. And that is what we call um, post-traumatic stress growth. So it is, in a sense, this is a huge challenge for, for everyone on different levels and different ways, but still a challenge. And we want to be able to embrace the fear and anxiety and to really rationalize it, you know, how valid is this? And, you know, not to get caught up into a loop of, of panic or fear, because mm. all that does is, is intensify it. Um, and essentially, we're looking at, you know, mindfulness in terms of being very um, loving and kind towards ourselves and patient with ourselves as we navigate our way through this. And, of course, self-love and developing that, without it goes without saying, underpins dealing with all that type of stuff. Now, the conventional calendar, I know I'm early on in the book here, but I, I smiled yeah. as I, I read through it because it really, the conventional calendar that you have here takes us through from childhood to end of life as well. And the way you plot it out, my God, we're a boring crowd, aren't we? Most of us just travel this journey, Fiona, from doing what we're told, going right through when we're young, you know, getting, growing up, education, hopefully getting married for a lot of us, you know, a career and so on. But that's really life. We're, we're, we're all very similar, aren't we? 
Well, what I talk about, yeah, the conventional calendar is like a block to self-love, right? And yeah. I see it with my clients in terms of they will say, you know, I can't love myself just yet because I haven't ticked the next yes. box, right? Yes, yes. So when I, for example, buy the house, then I'll be settled and then I'll be, <laughs> you know, yeah. and then they get the house. And then it's like, well, when I have my first child, then, then I'm going to be able to be more, you know, at yeah. peace with myself. And then maybe another child, and then I think I make the, and another one. It's just like, you know, when, when does it end and when is enough enough? And when are we able to be at peace with the fact that we don't have to follow that route exactly okay. as it is? Yes. Not to say that these are bad things. Like, you know, I say again in the book, I've picked a few myself, not all of them, but certainly, you know, they provide, they're positive things in of themselves, but only when they're done without a, a sense of pressure, yeah. a sense of it has to be done at this time in this order. Yeah. Uh, and people feel they're not good enough and they compare themselves to, to other people. Oh, she has, you know, or he has this and, and they have two children now and I've only one or, you know, whatever mm, it might be. Mm. Um, and that is very damaging to the self. It's very disrespectful to ourselves because we deserve better. Okay, so uh, that's what yeah. I meant. You know, it is a, a template for the majority of people, but it is an inhibitor to self-love. And don't get hung up on this, basically, is what you're saying. Here, will I tell you something else? I did the self-love quiz. <laughs> oh, I did. I did it last night. I said, I want to be ready and get my homework done for Fiona when she's coming on to chat to me. I did it. Now, look, maybe you give me a, a comment on this. So what the self-love quiz is, folks, is you answer yes or no to uh, 20 questions that Fiona has in the book and you give yourself a point for each yes answer. Don't think about them. And I didn't think about them. I just answered. Now, let me tell you, I got 15 out of 20. How's that? That's very good. Is it? You are oh, it's amazing. Is it? Uh, yeah, it is very honestly. That's but I'm not surprised because just knowing you to the level I do, which is not much, but still, it's your energy. You can tell that you you're in a good place. So that that doesn't surprise me. That that's a very very high score. And I have to say because I get them in digitally, people are doing them online on my website all the time, and I can see scores coming in, and I can see them coming in. It's heartbreaking. <laughs> I'm seeing yeah, 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 I'm seeing yeah. very low points. I do see the odd 14, 15. Yes. That does my heart good because it's a tough quiz. I'm not going to lie. Like there's yeah. a lot of things in there that people will say no to. And what I say is like, you know, that doesn't, that's not bad. It's where you are, right? Mm. So if you, if you get a low score, it's not like a, it's not like a test in any way at all. Yes. All it is is a way of learning about yourself. And you can say, ah, okay, that's interesting. This is how I, I am. Like I find it difficult. You know, I think one of the questions is, do you find it difficult to, um, being alone, you know, without any distractions on your own. Most people are going to say that they do find that difficult. They're mm. going to say, you know, it's, it's, it's hard for them. So, therefore, it's like, okay, this is something I can learn from. Um, so there is, it is, it's, it's a very uh, sort of, um, I don't know what the word is, it's quite a, a illuminating, let's say, yes. uh, quiz. Yeah. yeah, and it's a barometer, perhaps, where you are at a point in time. And I have to say this, um, uh, the reason I chuckled there, I didn't chuckle, when people send you in low scores, of course there's work to be done and they can work on the various areas. My producer, Eamon, whispers into my headset, you see, to put me off to say, I told you you were a Mars bar. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm not a Mars bar. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Anyway, that's that's why I chuckled. But let me tell you, just just so as I just to illuminate a little, the five that I couldn't give myself a tick on or a score on were. Um, do you cope well with uncertainty? No, I don't. I'll just read these out. These are the ones that I uh, would say I couldn't score myself on. Are you patient with yourself when learning something new or adapting to change? No, I couldn't go there and say that either. Um, do you feel comfortable uh, uh, feeling vulnerable? No. Uh, uh, the next one was, do you say no to other people if you, even if you're tired or overwhelmed? I'm a devil for that. No, I don't. And the final one was, do you let go of the hurt from the past? I'll get you back, be it sooner or later. I have to work no. on that, don't I, Fiona? I have to work on that. You do. Well, they're, again, they're probably the toughest ones, like the uncertainty for, for many people. And that's why like this particular period in our lives is full of uncertainty. Mm. Um, and getting comfortable with uncertainty is really, really helpful because once you're com- comfortable with uncertainty, just think about it. The world is your oyster. You're no longer living in fear, essentially. And the only certainty that we have, Jerry, is uncertainty. Yeah. That, and I think that's that has been really um, shown to us in the last year in particular. You know, we have certainty of death, which again is nothing to fear when you're more comfortable with it. But uh, it's a huge fear that many, many people carry. Mm. Um, so, you know, again, that, that's really interesting and helpful, I hope, to you in a sense. Yes. You can learn from yourself. Vulnerability would then tie in again with that. You know, it's, it's again very uh, normal not to feel comfortable being vulnerable. Mm. Yet there's huge strength when we do. And um, interesting enough, actually, I had the, the launch for the book this time was online. There was none of the, of the, yes. of the shenanigans for the last time. But we, I had a Keith Walsh. You may have know his work from. Oh, he's from, brilliant. Uh, yeah, he's brilliant, and he. Uh, was with me on the day we had a kind of masterclass workshop and Keith read from his diary that he like he did the, one of the exercises in the book which is to write a letter to your eight-year-old self and he read this letter uh you know in front of hundreds of people um and they online and obviously um just to make that clear <laughs> um <laughs> and what he did there was he showed his vulnerability yeah right uh, in terms of it was a very beautiful moment, but his vulnerability made him strong and makes it makes other people feel more comfortable with yes. their own vulnerability. Yes. So that's the gift that we give to the world, mm. rather than trying to hide it. Uh, we're, we're able to share it. Yeah. Well, let me say you've given a second brilliant gift to the world called the self love habit. It's your second book in at number four. Four. It will be number one in the charts. It's only a matter of time. It's brilliant. I highly recommend it. I love the book and everything that it contains. It's out and about now, folks. You can order it online or via their bookshops operating with deliveries as well as we know across the northeast. I. Th- Thank you, Fiona Brennan, and please, God, driving Miss Daisy, you'll be here someday again soon. <laughs> Thank you, Terry. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. 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 That's Fiona Brennan there, the brilliant Fiona Brennan. I'm throwing that book into the mix now as a giveaway today. There's another one for you I'll give away as well. The question is, according to the Guinness Book of World Records, here's the question, what is the best-selling book in history What's the name of the book? The best-selling book in history. It's quite obvious if you think about it. Answers, please, to 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text me. Fiona's book is in there now. Irish Women in Harmony Dreams. Isn't it beautiful? You know, sometimes 
you just are touched by something. And this morning I was at home because there was a little knock on my door as I was working away in the office and I went out and there was a lady standing with a mask and I had to look and see who it was. It was Natalie Kelly from Drogheda Dolls. And I'll just read what's on the little card. It says, Jerry, for energy on your walks for Slav. Keep up the good work, buddy. And it's signed by Natalie. And it's Drogheda Dolls Kindness Month. And it says, thank you for all your hard work and service to the most vulnerable in our community. We appreciate you. Keep your chin up. Better times are coming. Love, Drogheda Dolls. Sometimes things just get you, don't they? And they sent me in a lovely little pack of LucasAid and Mars bars. Yes, Eamon Mars bars to help me on my way. Yes, I am walking for Slav Vavro, 16 years of age, three years on a cancer journey. If you can help, I'd appreciate all the help you can give. I was talking to his mum this morning and he's battling hard. GoFundMe.com, Oxygen for Slav. Thank you so much. And thank you to Natalie and the Drogheda Dolls because they've given a thousand euro to Slav. They've given him a thousand euro to the fund. Aren't they wonderful people? And what they gave me today, I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much from my heart. It is World Book Day and it's time to hear from another young reader. Her name is Katrina Ferder. She's in fourth class in Skullnave Fekin in Termin Fekin in County Loud and she loves the book Diary of a Wimpy Kid. Dad dropped me off at school at 8pm last night for the lock-in and the second I walked through the door I knew I made a huge mistake. It was like 90% boys and 10% girls and even worse Rowley was there. I turned to leave, but one of the chaperones had already locked the door, so I was stuck there for the night with everyone else. I'm guessing most of the girls in my class had decided not to go to the lock-in, and the ones who did show up just didn't get the word in time. I decided I was going to have to make the most of it, and I walked into the auditorium where everyone else was taking their stuff. The first thing I noticed that there was at least one adult for every kid which is not really a great recipe for wild times. Most of the chaperones were parents, but a few of them were teachers. And something tells me the teachers were only there because they didn't have a choice. (laughs) Katrina, I listened to those last words there of your little piece. Brilliant, brilliant. Isn't she a great reader? Bula boss to Katrina Ferreter. Uh, absolutely brilliant oh she's a good reader she's a great young lady she really is thank you Katrina for reading for us on Late Lunch today on World Book Day it really is greatly appreciated yes you're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio this Thursday afternoon still to come on the show yes Tom Jones we have a belter from him today Uh, a local ice cream maker with a twist we're going to hear about that six tuplets yes I'm talking about lambs on a farm in County Mead. But in a moment, we're going to be hearing how today, a why today World Book Day is so important to those who are impaired and can't read. Christine's been on to say, the greatest gift in life my parents gave me and my sister was the love of reading. They read to us as early as possible and 53 years later, I love to read. It's their legacy to us. And now I'm reading uh, to uh, my children and grandchildren. It's simply wonderful. Thank you for that lovely message today on World Book Day. And we continue. Uh, you know, you and I can read and we're blessed with the gift of sight and hearing and all our faculties. 
There are many people who aren't. There are people who have restricted vision. There are people who are blind totally. World Book Day. Yes, there are ways that people who are impaired can read. And to tell me more, I'm joined by the Head of Communications with the National Council for the Blind of Ireland, June Tinsley. Hello, June. Hi, how are you? Thanks for having me on. Not at all. Thank you for joining me on the show today. Maybe you would just talk about the formats that people turn to when sight is impaired, totally or partially, June. Yes, you're dead right. I mean, um, the joy of reading should be shared by by everybody. Um, And I suppose in NCBI we offer um, a range of formats to facilitate that joy of reading. Um, so for individuals who have learnt Braille, we do have um, a collection available in Braille. We also have plenty of audio books, um, those in large print uh, for, for those who, who wish to, to use it that way. Um, and then we also have a suite of options through digital platforms. Um, and, and by digital platforms, I mean you can even get Braille digitally um, or there's different ways you can um, invert the the colour schemes, all those kind of different formats which work best when an individual um, has restricted vision and and knows what way works best for them because as you can appreciate, even on on a screen, sometimes the glare could be too bright or the colour contrast might not work. So the facilities to change all of those kind of things are available through our um, extensive collection of books through the NCBI library. Oh, that's great. It's great to hear. It really is, June. And, and it, it's a message we wanted to get out today on this particular day to say that there are a range of options there if you are impaired or if you can't see. I suppose, June, I'm just thinking here, people who have uh, been blind all their lives, they've lived with this and they've uh, developed over the years. But you know for somebody who's losing their sight or their sight becomes impaired as the years go by or because of an accident or something... It has to be more difficult for somebody like that to take things up, has it at a stage in life or when something traumatic happens? Uh, very much so. I mean, li- literally, it's life-changing for, for those individuals concerned. As you rightly say, if you've experienced vision impairment since birth, it's something you've always known. However, if it happens suddenly to you through a diagnosis or an accident or whatever, literally, it's, it's life-changing. Um, so NCBI is there to assist with that transition to ensure the individual ad- adapts to, to their life circumstances, be it in employment or as a parent or um, in reading or, or all walks of life. Um, and I suppose in the area of uh, lit- literacy, we want to maintain that independence that they enjoy. So certainly um, audiobooks have become so popular um, or, as I said, digital formats. Um, for the older generation, sometimes they don't necessarily want the, the digital side of things. So we also offer a service where extracts of newspaper articles or magazine articles are put onto a USB stick, which is posted out to them and that they can hear it through their uh, box that they use and they can keep up to date with articles that way. So I suppose we're just offering a a range of options to ensure that people can hear um, and participate in in life fully in their own, in the formats that work best for them. Your vision may be impaired, but you're not impaired to read. It's there for you in many formats. That's the message we really want to get out today. And look at, you know, for all of us, whether we have sight, we're impaired or we don't, it is in the mind's eye when you read, isn't it, June? That's the brilliant thing about books and reading. It doesn't matter how we're fixed with, with sight. Very much so. And I suppose it's all literally around enjoying the type of books that you you like. And I suppose, thankfully, 
the NCBI catalogue and the formats that we offer are so vast that people will find the types of books that mm. they like, be it thrillers or documentaries or horrors or romance or whatever. Um, and also, for those who are in, in college, particularly third-level college, our Bookshare platform has literally over half a million um, books available to students so that their their coursework is also available to them in an accessible format because that certainly has been a barrier for, for students in the past. So it, I would encourage anybody who has a vision impairment to avail of our library service by simply going on to emailing library at ncbi.ie. Find out exactly what services we can offer you and what, what would work best. Library at ncbi.ie. Pop an email on there and away you go from there. Get in touch because it's a wonderful resource and service and it is there. While you're with me, how are you getting on? You know, it costs a lot of money to uh, keep the show on the road there and you support so many people up and down the country. Tough times, but uh, I see you've just launched a new initiative. Uh, Just uh, popped into my inbox before I came down to sit into the hot seat here. Move into the light. Yes, I suppose, as you, as you rightly say, all, all charities are, are kind of um, grappling with the fundraising challenges at the minute. But our new initiative is Move Into the Light. And I, I suppose it's to recognise that, thankfully, um, there's a bit more hope on the horizon with uh, the whole COVID situation and also with summer daytime coming around the corner. We're encouraging people to move into the light with us by participating in a 30-minute activity over 30-day duration and help us raise funds through that. They can walk, run, cycle, swim, you, you name the activity that you want to participate in, and um, we will ha- help you out in, in doing that. And again, information available on our website, ncbi.ie, or um, emailing fundraising at ncbi.ie. You're doing great work. I wish you well. Thank you for joining me on the show. Good luck, and thanks for uh, bringing... Uh, that information to the airwaves today on World Book Day and uh, you will, I'm sure, get a great response uh, to the uh, new fundraiser that you've just announced in uh, the last hour or so. Thank you, June. Thank you very much. Take care. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. That's June Tinsley there, Head of Communications with the National Council for the Blind of Ireland. Now, let me see what I have here to uh, say to you. Oh, yeah, listen, have I time? I think I have now, Eamon. Have I have a minute? I just want to do this. I, I promised I'd do this in the show. OK, here's my chance now to read. Do you know the books, the President series of books? I know our Ava loves them. The President's Glasses, the President's Cat. And I have the President's Surprise here beside me. And, of course, Miggledy Higgins, our President, Michael D. He's a new dog, hasn't he? Yes, it's in the news at the moment. He is a new puppy that he's training. Let me just, it's not long, this book. And I know Ava just loves the President's books. And God, we don't see them now. We don't see her or Pippa because of the restrictions. But when time comes back, I used to love sitting into the bedroom at night and reading this little book to her. So here we go. It's only a short one. The President's Surprise by Mr. Jared Kelly on Late Lunch Today. Today was a very special day. It was the President's birthday and there was going to be a very big party. The President decided to walk his dogs in the Phoenix Park. I have to say the illustrations are brilliant. All around Aris and Uchtaran, the work began. The President's pigeon flew high up to the rooftop where he hung lots of green, white and orange bunting. Inside, the President's wife, Sabina, planned where everybody would sit. 
Mm, we have two guests called Mary, she thought. I'll place one either side of the president. I'm sure they'll have lots of interesting things to say. I think that's about former presidents, is it? Yes, of course it is. One in the news at the minute, of course. Outside, the butler was busy polishing the front door. Nice and shiny. That's the way he liked things to look. After all, it was the most important front door in Ireland. Meanwhile, the president stopped off at Farmley House for some tea and scones. Yum, yum. Back at the Oris, Mrs Mullins, the housekeeper, dusted the picture frames. There were lots of famous people on the walls. Maybe her portrait would be up there someday, she thought as she cleaned. In the kitchen, the two chefs prepared some delicious treats, including a very special birthday cake. Yes, it seemed like everything was going to plan. At the Wellington Monument, the President found the perfect spot to practice his yoga. Everybody joined in. Suddenly, the President's wife noticed the time. Surely the President should be home by now. Where could he have got to, she wondered. Ding dong went the clock. It was five o'clock. The party was on. At the front gates, the guests began to arrive. The President's pigeon counted the line of fancy cars as they entered the Oris. There were even presidents from other countries. Click, click, click went all the cameras as the uh, paparazzi gathered. Inside, the guests waited for the president. They waited and waited and waited. But the president was nowhere to be seen. Where could he have got to? Oh dear, said the president's wife. Could the president have forgotten his own birthday party? Everybody looked so disappointed when suddenly... Surprise! Out of the birthday cake jumped the president himself. And what a surprise it was too. There was no need to worry after all. The president would never forget his very own birthday party. He, 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 he. The end. Yes, beautiful book, isn't it? The President's Surprise. Timmy Tehin is a young farmer from Longwood in County Meath and something's happened on the farm this year that never happened before and he's going to tell us now. Hello, Timmy. Well, Jerry, how are you? I'm good. Thank you for joining me on the show. It is lambing season and we know it's going on all round. Tell them, how many arrived to one of yours? I had six out of one year, so I did. Wow. And is this a first for you? Have, Have you ever seen six before? Just, I've never heard of it before anyway. <laughs> it was the first time, was it? Yeah, just maybe a quadruplet or that, but just never five or six now. Tell us the story, the you, the story of the you, and of course we want to hear about Rambo himself in a minute, but what about the you? Uh, well, she's a Kerry Hill now. I think she's around six years older, that, so she is. Mm. And then the Ram, he's a blue Texas Ram, so he is, he's, I think he's three now or something. He's around some, that. He's some boy. Yes, he is. <laughs> I'm telling you, this boy knows how to shake him out because not alone was there six. You've had a lot of triplets, haven't you, to this fella? Yeah, just we've had at least uh, six triplets now so far this year and we, we still have a few now, 20 or so years left. So maybe oh. we'll have another six or seven or something. Jeez, he's firing the right bullets for sure, isn't he? <laughs> Mind that fella, he's a good one. Come back to the you and and the six. It's a couple of weeks ago. What happened? Take us through the sequence because they just didn't all arrive together. Set the scene. What happened? It it was over a few hours period anyway. Uh, The brother went off us, I think, a few minutes to nine before he was going to work. And she had two with her. Mm. And I think he helped her lamb them. Mm. And then he poured her into a pen on her own. And she was grand there, and he, I think he rang and said that there was a yo after lambing. And I went up between, uh, I think it was French and maths at around 11 or that, and just she had five with her. 
Hmm. So she did. And then I went up at, I think it was one o'clock at lunch or something, and she had six there beside her, and I, I didn't know what was going on. Hmm. She says, I said at five, she surely didn't have another one because I thought it was impossible, but, you know... There you go. Six, a half a dozen, and they're there, and uh, they are hers. I take it uh, she couldn't look after all six. Oh, jeez, no. Well, they only have two teeth now, so they do, so Mm, mm. we just left two with her. We have one in a bottle, and then two others are fostered onto two different shows that they are. Okay, and one was lost? It was, yeah. Yeah, well, I, I'd say it mightn't have got enough beasts or that or yes, something like yes, that. Yes, yes. Well, look, to uh, take five through from Bert out of six is remarkable. Six, but genuinely, yeah. six were born. This is a record. Six, they were there, they were born, they were doing fine, and uh, unfortunately, yeah. one passed away. So she is two, and the others have been farmed round, and one on the bottle as well. And all doing well, the five of them? Uh, well, yeah, they seem to be all right now at the moment, yeah, which is... Yeah, I can't complain anyway. <laughs> you mentioned there you're obviously homeschooling between the, the two am, subjects, yeah, yeah? Unfortunately. Are you missing going in? Oh no, no, not at all, no, it is. Unfortunately I haven't to the school at all, but sure luck. Yeah, you're managing okay, are you at home and Yeah. Uh, I will sure I do a bit and yeah, here and there. Yeah. You love the farming? Oh I do, yeah. Cheers. Sure it's great cracking. Something to be at. It's a wonderful life. It really is. Tell us about the farm. Uh, is it? Uh, are there other things besides sheep farming that you do? Yeah, well, we have a, a few cattle now. It wouldn't be a, a big, big operation now. Uh, we have sucklers uh, around. I think we have seven cows now. That's about it. And then I keep me own bullocks. There's eight of them. Mm. I bought them in myself, and sure, I'll, I'll keep them till August or that, and sell them on and buy more. Yeah. Uh, so it's a mixed uh, operation you have there. Yeah. And uh, what age are you, do you mind me asking you? I'm 15. And where do you go to school? I go in in uh, Clash de Clavin there in Longwood. Ah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. That's, that's your school there. And uh, do you want to farm beyond school or uh, what's the oh, story well, there? Yeah. yeah. Just if I can, anyway. Good man yourself. It's a, it's a tough life, it's a hard life at times, and you have a lot to deal yeah. with, but the satisfaction and everything in it is... Oh, yeah, it ah, is, yeah. It's, it, it's a great, great life. Crack. It really is, Timmy, it is. So there you are, you're in the national news with sextuplet <laughs> lambs. God, oh, oh boy, I nearly forgot before we went. What about Ram? What about Rambo himself, the blue Texel, three years of age? How long will you keep him for now? How long would a, a good Ram yeah. last for him? Will he, you know, do the job you need him to do? Well, I suppose we might keep him another four years or so. You know, he'd be old enough at seven. <laughs> you know? So you need to have all the fun when you're yeah. young, huh? Oh, I know. <laughs> it's a bit like humans, isn't it? It really is. <laughs> uh, listen, you're a great one, Timmy. I thank you for joining us today, and it's a great That's story. No Thanks, and we wish you well on the farm yeah. and with the lambing season and everything else, your schooling and your life. You're a great fella. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Jerry. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's Timmy Tehan there from Longwood in County Mead. Six, six lambs. Unprecedented. Incredible, isn't it? You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Still to come on the show, 
Yes, from lambs to homemade ice cream with a twist and, of course, Mr Tom Jones. Stay with us. Aoife Hegarty was with us on late lunch yesterday from the RT Investigates team looking ahead to uh, the programme last night on illegal adoptions. I watched it. It was really brilliantly made and congratulations to all concerned and uh, it was heartbreaking at times watching it, I have to say, and... Even more people now who don't know who they are. Who am I? And uh, I'm sure this story will roll on. But I say it again. Good, honest, investigative journalism. Where would we be in the world without it? We'd be lost. And it's important that it's always strong and remains an integral part of a free society and world. Well done again to Paul Maguire and his team uh, with that uh, brilliant Brilliant uh, show last night on RTE Investigates. Now, to let you know who's won the books today and World Book Day. Well, the uh, question was, what is the world's best-selling book according to the Guinness Book of Records? Some of you thought it was the Guinness Book of Records itself. Somebody else said Harry Potter. Others said the Da Vinci Code. Sorry, none of those. The best-selling book ever in the world is The Bible is the best-selling book of all time. And thank you to all the people who've been in touch with us. Many, many, many indeed. And let me tell you where the books are going. Joe Armstrong's book, who was with us top of the show, that's going uh, this afternoon to David Toomey. That's yours, David. The Survivors, it's walking out of Academy Books in Drogheda Southgate at the moment by Jane Harper is going to Mark Kerr and I'm sending Fiona Brennan's The Self-Love Habit to uh, the wonderful Christine Arkins from Kells this afternoon. That's yours, Christine. Enjoy. I know you love your reading and I hope you really do enjoy that book. It's a fantastic book. It really is. And Fiona Brennan, just remember that Fiona's website, uh, uh, you can follow, first of all, you can follow Fiona Brennan on Instagram and the positive uh, habit.com uh, is the name of the website, the thepositivehabit.com. So all information there about the wonderful Fiona Brennan, if you'd like to check her out, she's well worth checking out. Now, my Artist of the Week this week is Town Jones. And you know the way we're all struggling with confinement at the moment? Well, listen to this. Tom Jones was diagnosed with TB, which was a killer disease at the time, when he was just 12. And he was confined to bed for two years. And it's a time he still describes as the worst time of his life all these years later. He recovered and he married at 16 in 1957. He married another 16-year-old called Linda Trenchard, his school girlfriend who was pregnant. And their only son, Mark, was born shortly after the wedding. There was no other option in those times. That's the way it was. 16, both married. Linda stayed married and loyal to Tom, despite his well-known philandering and multiple affairs. And in fact, he fathered another son with model Catherine Berkery in the United States, a child actually he only acknowledged in 2008. Due to his wealth, he became a tax exile, moving to the States to live in 1976, and he remained there for 35 years. He was first made an OBE by the uh, Queen before being knighted in 2006 for services to music. His wife Linda sadly passed away in 2016 after a short illness and despite a roller coaster married life, Jones was devastated, selling up in the USA and moving back to London. 
Today, we reprise yet another song that's synonymous with Jones and a party piece for many an amateur crooner. Tom Jones, Delilah, classic on Late Lunch this afternoon. I want to say hello to Liam Manning, a great friend of mine, worked with him for years in Aircom and no better man to belt out Delilah at a party. He was brilliant. It was his party piece and he even added to it. And I say hello to Liam this afternoon and I hope he's keeping well up there in North Loud. A great Pat supporter. Oh, was he happy when Pats won the first championship and they went on to win many, many more. But I say hello to Liam uh, this afternoon on Late Lunch. Final break of the day. Oh, have we got a twist on ice cream next? Oh, the summertime is coming and the ice cream is a making. I saw a young lad the other day. I can't remember where when I was out walking with a 99, one of the nice days there. And it just put me in the, the thought of, yes, the year is certainly turning. Now, we're going to finish the show today talking about ice cream. But ice cream with a real twist. Because my final guest this Thursday put his new ice cream on sale and sold out almost immediately. He's going to tell us more. Jim? Mary, hello. Hi, Jerry. How's things? Good. Nice to talk to you. I'm delighted to have you on. I love ice cream, I have to say. Anyway, tell us about this uh, technique or twist on ice cream that you've come up with. First of all, tell them, you you, you have a dairy farm, yeah? Yeah, so we're the dairy farm beside Newgrange Farm, so out on the Slane Road. So I think most people know Newgrange Farm anyway. Yep. And then, basically, I was in Paris in 2018, during the summer it was 40 degrees heat and I was working out there selling Irish beef and beside my office they had a roll ice cream shop so it was obviously packed because of the good weather so I decided to take the idea home in 2019 and we've been going to markets and events since Ice cream, ice cream rolls, is that what you're talking about? It is, yeah, so basically we have a machine where there's two uh, frozen plates and we make the same ice cream mix that you would find in the shops Mm. except instead of putting it into a churn, we make it in front of people. So it's minus 20 degrees on the plate, and we pour the ice cream mix down, it starts to freeze straight away, and then you can put in any ingredients you want and then roll it up into rolls, and then it's good to go, ready to eat. I like this. I love this instantly as you describe it there. I just have it in uh, my mind's eye thinking about it. So it is the plates that inter- instantaneously at their very cold temperature freeze the mix and then you put whatever you like and you roll it and away you go. Is it true that you sold out? You went uh, with a you have a little uh, a little unit that you tag along and you hitched it up near Dolly Mitchell's there and you sold out quickly. Yep, so we were out at Smith's shop yeah. beside Dolly Mitchell's there at the weekend and I suppose the weather was so good so it was a good weekend to start and we had a lot of support from everyone around the area staying within their five kilometres so people are coming two or three times over the weekend to get ice cream. So yeah, we saw like both days. It was great. So what flavours do you do this in? So our most popular at the weekend were brownies made by our good friend Cook with Anne. So she's a local baker. We put brownies into the ice cream and then also the Stoke gin. So the Stoke have a slow gin and we crush up berries and put that inside it. So you can really put in any ingredients you want but I suppose Irish people love gin and brownies, so mm. they're the two most popular at the weekend. Now you have me salivating in earnest. And I believe you gave Slane Whiskey a twist too, did you? We do, yeah. We we go to Rock Farm every Thursday. They have a market there, so we use the, their whiskey at that event. And we put in caramel or 
you can put in chocolate with it as well. So it goes well with the ice cream. I think me belt needs loosening already, even thinking about this. Yeah, you come visit us now. <laughs> I will. I will. As soon as I can travel out, I'm confined by the distance at the moment. But I know well where you are there. And, of course, Smith's shop is a landmark. Is this, yeah, um, is this, you saw it in France. Is it peculiar to France or is it, did it develop somewhere else in the world? Yeah, so it develops in Thailand. So basically it's called Thai Ice Roll. And the street food scene is huge out there. So I suppose a lot of people go out there on holidays probably to find themselves. And now it's kind of just moved back to Europe. So it's slowly kind of spreading through Europe. And there's a few in Ireland. So like mm. when we started, it was only one or two in Dublin. And now it seems to be increasing. Okay. It's a cool way of eating ice cream. Yeah, it is cool. Thai, uh, a Thai uh, thing that has moved across the world and is now in County Mead and uh, looks set for a, a, a very bright future indeed. Come back to um, to the farm because we were talking to a young farmer, Timmy Tehan, there earlier on. He's a mixed stock farm and we were talking about sheep. They had sex tuplets there. Um, what, uh, you know, when you talk about a dairy farm, are you talking about Frisians? Yeah, so it's all, our herd is all Holstein Frisian. So we've just over 100 cows and we're halfway through calving season at the minute, or a bit over half. Yeah. So it's a busy time of the year. It is, and the milk is plentiful and great. Yeah, 100%. We're, we At the market, we sell raw milk as well. You're allowed to sell a certain amount of litres every week. So we've customers coming because it's really good for bacon and also it's good for health. So we have a nice little market there. And then really silly things just about support, kind of supporting and celebrating Irish dairy. Because we think it is celebrated outside of Ireland, like it's marketed well. We're trying to celebrate it within Ireland as well. Yeah. So we're fairly sustainable. We sell our ice cream to the local market. So we sell our milk to the local market as well. So we're looking to try just expand the dairy uh, products. Mm. and sell it into the local market. It's typical of uh, things, isn't it? The nearer the church, the further from God, the saying goes, and that applies to dairy for sure. I, I was reared on what we used to call loose milk, you know what I mean? That was the name of it at the time, and it, it, I, it's it, it's something else to experience, to drink it for sure. Um, wh- where do you see this going? You know, you, you have your wee truck, you mentioned uh, you move about with it as well. Is that the limit for this? Because it has to be made on the spot. Is it a street food luxury you're talking about? Yeah, so the rolled ice cream would be just ready to make on the spot. But we do kind of the normal type of ice cream you find in the shop as well. So, like, we have tubs that are available. So we we do plan on going into retail this year as well. Mm, I'm not surprised. And uh, who doesn't love an ice cream on a warm day or, in fact, a, a, any day of the year? So the milk is the raw product coming from the Holstein Frisians, uh, the... Uh, Brilliant cows you have there on your farm. What else? What, what what else do you need to make ice cream? Milk, sugar, milk, sugar, eggs, and cream. That's and it. One or two, one or two ingredients we I can't mention. So we have a secret recipe. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you but know what, Jim? You you're great. You're great. Oh, don't tell anybody. Don't keep it to yourself. Yeah, it's right. But all all our ingredients are from the Boyne Valley, so we're part of the Boyne Valley flavors, which is. Yeah. A group of food producers all throughout the Boyne Valley, so mm. there's a lot of iconic ones within that, so we try to use all of them when we're making our ice cream. That's the way to do it. I'm very familiar. I've been a great supporter on this show of 
uh, the Boyne Valley people and all they do from their instigation and we're always supporting them and it's del- I'm delighted to hear that you're part of them as well today. I'm just thinking gin and raspberry, mmm, slain whiskey and caramel brownies. Oh, you have it, boy, you have it by the spade load. I'll see you soon at Dolly's. Great. See you then. Thanks, Jim. Take care. Bye-bye. That's Jim Maria from just outside Slane and they've come up with this Thai ice rolls ice cream. If you were in the 5K, they'll be there this weekend. Give them a shout-out and tell them you heard about it on Late Lunch. Eddie's coming next with the drive. Wonderful music as usual. Stay with us here on LMFM Radio. Tomorrow on the show, Meath, GAA star, Vicky Wall. Online abuse she's received has been shocking. She's going to tell us all about it. And too, he is a brilliant interior designer. So if you're thinking about doing anything springtime in your home, you'll want to be with us. And of course, Leon Blanche will run the rule over sport as he does every Friday. Have a lovely Thursday evening. Take care of yourselves. I'm away from my walk. See you tomorrow, 1.30. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drahada Dundalk and Cavan. Our service departments are open with all HSC and government guidelines in place to keep you and our staff safe. Sales are click and deliver only through our website, blackstonemotors.ie. Stay safe from Blackstone Motors. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze... Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.